I'm Luka Doncic and this is Lockdown Mavericks Sharks or clowns? Clowns, a thousand percent. That's <laughs> one of my biggest fears ever. I hate. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, and joining me, guest of the show, guy that uh, is also a Lakers fan, but don't hold it against him, Ryan Kellipier. Ryan, what you got for me? Uh, yeah, I mean, I hope your 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 fans aren't too hard on me for being a Lakers fan, but I'm. I'm <laughs> I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, Ryan covers uh, Arizona sports. So I brought him on to talk about Josh Green, Mavericks' new draft pick. We wanted to talk to him about all things. He watched every single minute of him during the you know his one season at Arizona. So we wanted to get his take on it because this is a guy coming to the Mavericks, and he has definitely watched him way more than me. So I wanted to talk to, to Ryan and talk to him about Josh Green. So we're going to get into it. So Coming into the season, what were Josh Green's expectations at Arizona? What was the recruitment like uh, when he decided to go to Arizona? What was all that like, that whole experience? Yeah, well, he came in with Nico Mannion. Um, They were both McDonald's All-Americans. They had a a tremendous AAU career and high school career. Um, So, I mean, you know, when Josh Green came into Arizona, people were expecting him to be one of the top top players in the country. Um, He was coming off shoulder surgery, so... And Sean Miller, Arizona's coach, would always talk about how he missed a lot of time leading up to his college career. Um, so that, he, that, that kind of tempered expectations. But, I mean, he was expected to be, you know, an all-conference level player. And so, you know, let's pretend like people have never heard of him, never seen him. How would you describe his game to somebody that has never watched him before? Yeah, it was actually interesting. I was thinking about a comparison for him. And I was kind of thinking like, like a younger Kelly Oubre um, he's a straight line driver, very athletic. Um, he's a developing shooter. Like he'll, he's very inconsistent. So like he'll make, he'll make a couple in a row and it's like, Oh man, this guy can do everything on offense. And then he'll go, he'll have a couple, two or three games where he just can't hit any shots. Um, and then he's a, he's a, he's, I think where he's probably better than Kelly Oubre is just as a passer, especially in transition. Like if you go back and watch the Oregon game in particular, like he had some incredible passes in transition, like he would catch the ball at, at full speed, contort his body, fire pass to the corner, or fire pass underneath the hoop for an assist. Um, it, it was just—he was just a really exciting player. And then defensively, um, it's hard to tell, like fundamentally, how good he is because Arizona plays a weird, like pack line system, and so it's not conventional and it's not what you would how how NBA teams approach defense. It's very conservative, and the whole the whole idea is basically don't get beat off the dribble. So he he wasn't you know flying and passing lanes, but but he he always plays with effort. I mean you're that you're never gonna be sitting there and be like oh man he, I wonder if he's playing hard. Like Josh Green always plays hard. He he's diving on the floor, and I think one thing that was really telling is he had a a back injury late in the season. And I think it was like February and, you know, he was going to be what most people thought was a lot, a lottery pick. So, you know, there's us in the media. were like, Oh, well maybe he'll shut it down because, you know, he, he's got a lot, a lot to risk and no, he just kept playing and then his, his effort level never wavered. So it like, if I was a Mavericks fan it, at the at minimum, it's like, it remains to be seen how he'll develop. I mentioned his jump shot um, needs, needs some work, but you know, every time he steps out there that he's going to play hard. And you can't teach that, right? Like you can't develop that effort level. And so I think that's, that's the super exciting part. The, you know, 
defense is feels like something you can't really teach as you know as well or as easily. And if you're coming out of the gate ready to you know to play, the shot I think can come around easier. We've seen guys with the Mavericks like Dorian Finney-Smith come around with a shot and you know become a you know really good three point shooter. At least this past year he was. And so I think that I think that's going to be. I mean, <laughs> since he's coming in with that level of uh, defense, I'm really excited to see what he's going to bring to the Mavericks. So. Uh, how did he fit in his role at Arizona? So he came in with Nico Mannion. You also had Zeke Naji there. Um, you know, how did he fit into that role? Did he, you know, was he always just supposed to be a three and D type guy? Was he, you know, supposed to be something else when he came in? How, how did he fit? Well, it was interesting because Nico Mannion, when he came in, he was, you know, the guy at point guard. He was going to be the one handling the ball. Um, but Zeke Naji really emerged. I mean, we were talking to Sean Miller last week and and he, was saying, you know, he didn't expect Zeke Naji to be a, a, a one and done. Like he was expecting him to be there for at least two years because he was a he was kind of a four star recruit. And what happened was right away he emerged as Arizona's best player. And so kind of what happened is Nico Mannion was the ball handling guard. Uh, Zeke Naji was the big man that they always wanted to get the ball. And then Josh Green was kind of he he was on the perimeter. He would he was kind of like a he he'd score on cuts and spot ups. Like it, it wasn't the tie, Arizona wasn't. It wasn't set up for him to where, you know, they'd give him the ball in the wing, say, go to work, Josh, or anything like that. Um, he, he was definitely more of like, I would say, the third option, maybe even fourth at times, just because he's not a, he's not a ball-dominant player. Where, where he really, but offensively, where he did really live up to expectations was in transition. If you get him going mm-hmm. on the wing, flying down the court, which is what I, is what I kind of expect to see in the NBA just because it's a faster-paced game, he, he was really dangerous. Yeah, I'm interested to see definitely him in transition. You know, you know, the athleticism is going to be there in the half court. I'm interested to see, does he do more than just, you know, spot up for threes, which he might not be asked to do more than that with the Mavericks. But, you know, from your experience watching him, does he do more than just spot up for threes? You mentioned his passing earlier. Well, he's a, he's a smart player too. So, I mean, I'm not totally familiar with what kind of offense the Mavericks run, but he, like he'll, he could be a good cutter. Um, yeah, like spot up shooting will probably be the thing that I mean. That's probably the any player can come into the league and, and be a spot up shooter. And then if I know that the Mavericks play at a fast pace, so if they get Josh Green in transition, he's going to finish some of his opportunities. Um, but I, he's not a guy that you know from day one you're going to the shot clock's winding down. You're going to give him the ball and ask him to create a shot. Like that's that's just not maybe later in his career, but early on he, he's just not. A, he won't be a go to score. He'll just be a like you said, like a spot up shooter or, you know, there's a turnover and he'll have throw down a, a, a big dunk in transition or something like that, or score off a cut, like a back cut, things like that. Yeah. It, d- it doesn't seem like they're going to ask him to do a whole lot of that. So I'm not, I'm not super nervous yeah. about that to begin with, but be interesting to see if he develops any part of that, of that in his game. But for now, at least it seems like they're going to be okay with having him be three and D guy spot up on the perimeter, you know, hit some open jumpers and, Hey, we're, you know, we're good to go at this point. Is he a player that is more, you know, makes mistakes? Is he mistake prone or is he a guy that maybe plays it safe? What would you say on that, you know, that sliding scale? Well, that's kind of interesting. Cause like I was saying the the defensive system that Arizona plays, they don't, they're not a team that gambles in passing lanes and, and things like that. So I'm actually really interested to see, you know, if he's given a little bit more free reign on defense, how, how much more disruptive he can be. Um, but he's not a, he's not a, guy that that looks for his shots he's not going to take a bad shot early in the shot clock or things like that he's he's pretty good at at playing within the offense and that's honestly like kind of a rare trait from from a guy who was a mcdonald's all-american like you compare him to nico manny nico manny was a guy at arizona where 
you know, even if his shot wasn't, wasn't hitting, he was, he was still going to get his 10, 15, 20 shot attempts a game where Josh green, he he seemed to have a pretty good awareness of, of when he was, when he was playing well and, and when, and when he wasn't, I think maybe the downside to that is still have some games out there where, you know, he, you just, you just won't really notice him offensively, especially in the half court. Yeah. Which is kind of, you know, coming in, that's, what the expectation is a little bit when you have Luka Doncic, you can, <laughs> you can afford to have some players disappear a little bit here and there, uh, but then he'll find them for those shots. So coming up, let's talk more to Ryan about Josh Green, talk about, you know, his defense, what we're going to, what we can expect on the defensive end His three point shot. We'll get into both of those things coming up. But before we do that, we have to. We have to talk about Built Bar. Built Bar has an incredible new deal. So if you've listened to this a thousand times, if you're a daily listener of Locked On Maps, don't turn that dial or hit the fast forward or whatever. Built Bar, they're the incredible bar that you already love. They're a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They have the incredible protein covered in 100% chocolate. They're delicious, low calorie, low sugar. High fiber, great for keto diet. They also now come in all new white chocolate while supplies last. You get the white chocolate cookies and cream or the white chocolate salted caramel. And you get two free candy cane brownie bars with every item purchased all weekend long. So take advantage of this for sure. 25% off all products. Go to BuiltBar.com, get 25% off for Black Friday. Plus, don't forget to use the promo code LOCKED to get an extra percentage off. You're basically throwing away money if you don't do this. So go do it. Get yourself some Built Bars. Get that snack. There's that extra percentage off it only for this weekend. For Black Friday, there's another Cyber Monday deal as well if you want to go back and check out their website on Cyber Monday. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED, get 25% off for Black Friday and more with the promo code LOCKED. All right, Ryan. So I want to talk a little bit about Josh Green's defense. I think that's going to be the biggest thing for the Mavericks. Um, what what level of defensive player was he? I know some people say like he should have made the All Conference defensive team, uh, but he didn't. What level of defense did he bring? And was he, you know, your your bona fide like number one? I'm going to defend the best player no matter what kind of guy. I don't think I would put him on that level. I mean, if a few years ago, well, four or five years ago now. Arizona had guys like uh, Aaron Gordon and Rondé Hollis Jefferson. And they were like, especially Rondé was like a legitimate, he would guard point guards, forward center sometimes on the perimeter in the post. He was a guy that you looked at him and say, okay, this guy is already an elite defender and we'll see how much better he can get. Josh Green, I, I don't, it, it wasn't that apparent that it was like, oh, you're facing a big time score. Let's put Josh Green on him. But I, I think his, he's definitely a very good defender. And, um, just the tools that he has, he's athletic. He's pretty smart. He always plays hard. Like I said, I think he has his wingspans like six foot 10. So if you look at the kind of positions that he'll be able to, to defend, I mean, I think you could look at one, one to three, maybe some fours, he'll be able to defend as he gets a little bit stronger. Um, and then, like I've been saying, if, if, you know, he, he's given a little bit more free reign defensively, like if he's able to like Arizona never pressed. So if he was able to press or or play the passing lanes a little bit more. Um, it, it would, it's going to be really interesting for me to see um, just how much more productive he can get. Cause he seems to have pretty good instincts on that end. And he's not a guy that falls asleep or, or, or kind of um, loses, loses a, his focus out there. So I, I mean, I think from day one, you'll get a, you'll get a solid defender. And then as his career goes on, I mean, I think defensively the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, that seems to be the the big talking point for Josh Green is his defense. I think that, you know, we heard one of the reasons why that they passed on Sadiq Bey was that they thought Josh Green was a better defender. And the Mavericks really made it a point that they wanted to get better defensively. So 
trade for Josh Richardson. You add, you know, Josh Green as well as Tyler Bay in the in the draft, and then you also get, um, you know, James Johnson in a trade. Whatever he brings, hopefully he can bring some perimeter defense. But they really made it a point that they wanted to do that, and I think that this Josh Green pick is is really indicative of that mentality because that's the side of the ball the Mavericks really need to improve on. You can't really improve on the offense, number one offense, you know, efficiency in NBA history. So you can't improve on the, you know, the offensive end as much, but. Yeah, I thought that was was interesting. Did he seem, you know, more comfortable guarding wings, guards? You know, can he guard some smaller guys? Yeah, it, it's sort of hard, hard to uh, – it's sort of hard to maybe, like, guess that because of how, you know, Arizona's system was. But what was your take on how he was able to guard different kinds of positions? He, he was mostly guarding wings. I mean, I think he was capable of – of, of guarding guards as well, but just the, the personnel on Arizona's roster, they didn't, they don't have, they haven't had one of those like six foot eight forwards um, that, that, that can guard threes and fours. So green's responsibility was mainly guarding twos and threes. And, you know, he gets switched on to guards every now and then. And I think if, if you gave him that opportunity to defend guards, I think he would do a good job with it just because he's, he's big, he's long and he's quick. Yeah. And he'll probably have, some switching in the NBA too, which he'll be able, we'll, we'll see pretty quickly. Hopefully we'll see what he's capable of doing, but I'm super interested to see also defensively how he holds up. And if he, you know, elevates this Mavericks team, um, do you think he was ready to come out? Do you think that one year was enough for him or do you, would you rather seen him come back for another year? I mean, it's the way college basketball is now. It's mainly the way it's looked at is if you're going to be a first round pick, you might as well go. I mean, I think if he would have, come back to school for another year. I mean, he, he would have been a feat, the featured player on offense. He, he could have averaged probably 15 points per game instead of 12. I mean, it would have been interesting to see how his shooting percentage is. So it's like, is he the most NBA ready he can be? Like, no, that's not even close. I mean, I, he has never had, I mean, at college, he wasn't even like a primary, a primary or, or one or a two option. But when you look at, and I think the Mavericks were a really good landing spot for him because he won't have to, be used out of his comfort zone early on if he's if he's just spotting up or making plays in transition like i think those are things he can do right away but if you're if you're hoping that he's going to be a guy that's going to average 18 points per game as a rookie like i I think he's he's pretty far from that yeah which they're not you know so it just seems like you know he's coming into a really good spot like you said where he's not going to be able he's not going to be asked to do too much the things that they are going to ask him to do is what he's good at and so i'm uh, i'm excited to see him play his three-point shot let's get into that a little bit do you, what do you think is the you know the biggest thing for him three-point wise he just is a really streaky shooter is he you know what is uh how do you project his three-point shot in the nba well it's actually really interesting because i'm looking at his percentages now and he finished at 36 percent. which when you look at that it's like okay like that's that's pretty solid but he was just so inconsistent like you look at in, in the month of December, he went two for 12 and January he was three for 13. And then the way the season, the season ended before it got canceled, he made six of his last eight threes. So it's, it's really interesting when you look at his percentages, because I think there's something to be said for guys that, you know, they're 37% three point shooters and you know, they're not going to have, a, they're not going to go through big slumps. Like you can count on them. I think the thing that was kind of frustrating with him is you, you've a lot of times you had no idea what you were going to get um, when it came to his three point shot. Um, and so I think <laughs> that's the one thing that if you're, if you're a Mavericks fan, you just hope that he can be a lot more consistent with it. And to be fair, I mean, it's going to take time to, to adjust to the NBA three point line, but I think with the playmakers that the Mavericks have and guys like Porzingis and Doncic, Doncic, um, 
taking uh, garnering so much attention. I think I think if Green's just his spotting up, I mean, I think he could maybe shoot mid thirties in his rookie year. It'll, it, it will be difficult. I would probably say he shoots thirty three percent, but. I mean, he. I mean, he did shoot thirty six in college, so and he, and he should get easier looks. So maybe maybe that'll that'll be where he is as a rookie. Yeah, and I've gone over. I know I've, I've gone over this with some of the other players. You know, any role players on the Mavericks team, they just need them to be solid, right? You don't need them to be like forty percent three point shooters necessarily. They just need you to be solid, be be credible, so that you know the attention goes to that player, so that you can't help off that player enough. That you know, Luca's you know driving lanes are clogged, or Porzingis in the you know in the paint is clogged, and so I think that the, he should be able to bring that. You said you know thirty six point one percent on two point eight three point attempts per game, you know his year at Arizona. Out of the uh, the fifty players in the Pac twelve that shot a minimum of two point five three point attempts per game, he ranked twenty third, so like right in the middle. So it's like you know average, right? Which is kind of what we expect. I'm assuming from and from some of the tape that I've watched. He doesn't really, they don't really ask him to run around screens and, you know, catch, you know, like, like shoot three point shots on the move or anything like that. They've been mostly just like spot and shoot shots. Yeah. Arizona fans will tell you that their offense is not the most creative, but a lot of it was <laughs> pick and rolls with Nico Mannion or playing through the high post with, with Zeke Naji. And then when the D they dealt, he got doubled a lot. So they would swing the ball around the perimeter and green would take spot ups. And now, now that I'm thinking about it, like I, I, I can't even remember one three that Josh Green took, let's say like off the dribble. I mean, the ones that I, I remember vividly are, are definitely the spot ups. And and I think that's could be good for him because that's probably what he's going to do in the NBA. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, his, his two point percentage was really interesting to me. So he shot 44.9% on 6.8, two point attempts per game. There's 23 players in the pack 12 that shot at least six and a half, two point attempts per game. He was 19th out of 23 in per, as far as percentage. Uh, why did he not shoot so well from, you know, from two point? What were those attempts? Like, it seems like he was scoring in transition. Those are pretty high percentage attempts, but what are the other, what, what do you count the other two point attempts for? And why was his percentage lower? He did take a lot of in-between shots. So like one dribble pull-ups at the elbow floaters off the dribble. Um, and you know, as we've kind of seen in the NBA, those are shots that are being phased out a little bit, but in college and Arizona is not really a, a, a super modern offense. So they don't, they don't frown upon that. Um, yeah. I mean, if you looked at it, like he, he was, he, I think he struggled as a finisher at times, especially later, like later in the year, not in March, but in January and February when he was dealing with that back injury, he just, he didn't have as much lift as he normally would. Um, so that, that really wouldn't be my concern. I think if you just not have him take those, those one, two dribble pull-ups like he was doing, which I don't think, I don't really see him being asked to do that with the Mavericks very much. I think you'll, you would see those percentages be a bit higher. Yeah. They're going to ask him to not do that. <laughs> they're going to say, no, please do not do that. If you do that, you're going to sit. Uh, so yeah, those will get phased out of his game for sure. I was just interested to see if, is, you know, is he driving and trying to finish or anything like that? Uh, all right, coming up, let's get into some more about Josh Green. I want to talk about some of his best games, his worst games, best moments at Arizona. We'll talk to Ryan who covered him and uh, who talked to him, you know, in person a couple of times to talk to him about what kind of a person Josh Green is. We'll talk about that coming up. All right, Ryan, let's continue talking about Josh Green. So the Mavericks new draft pick. Uh, what was he like as a person? You were around him a little bit, you know, talking to him in, uh, you know, media scrums and you were there at the home games. You know, what is Josh Green like as a person, at least from what you've been able to gather being, you know, semi around him? Yeah, I would say he's very mature for his age. Um, you can tell, I mean, when he was interviewing, he, he was 
very used to it. I mean, he was a McDonald's all American and, you know, he's, he's a, a big thing in Australia. So yeah, I'm sure he's, he's done a lot of interviews way before he even got to Arizona. So he was really comfortable with that. Um, never had any off the court issues on the court. He was never a guy that, you know, gotten, you know, scrums or anything like that. I mean, he was, he was, he was pretty mellow and, and, but intense. I mean, I wouldn't say he's like a, he's not like quiet lender. He doesn't show any emotion, but he's also, <laughs> not like a, he's not a Patrick Beverly where he's getting in your face and things like that. So I think honestly, that's, that's kind of what you want from your role players just to be a, a steady guy. Who's not going to take like pump the other team up if, if he does something wrong or he's not going to, you know, blow up if, if he's not playing well, you just want him to be a steady contributor. And I think that, that, that's probably what I, what I took away from him. And also um, it was, he was also with Nico Mannion. They were, they were also AAU teammates. And so just the two of them, they were really comfortable right, right, right from day one. It wasn't, he didn't, it's not like Josh Green came in and he had this, this adjustment period. I mean, just from, from day one, him and, and Nico Mannion were, and and they also had to be very comfortable because they were the, the top three players on the team. And so the, the team revolved around them. And I think that's a, that's a, a big load for, for freshmen to, to handle. And I think Josh Green handled it very well. Yeah. It's interesting that he was a teammates with, with Mannion. And then he came in and he had that rapport already. He's going to have to have that with, you know, and, and understand the hierarchy in Dallas and in, you know, wherever he plays after that. But I think that's an interesting thing to know coming into the NBA. Um, what are some of his maybe lowest moments or worst games? Like when, when you think of his worst games, what is the thing that sticks out? Was he, you know, missing assignments on defense? Was he just missing a bunch of shots? Like what are those things that stick out? No, I wouldn't say it was definitely not his defense. It was just, he, he, he wouldn't make shots. And, and when he wasn't making shots, especially in the half court, like he, he just kind of disappears. Like you don't even like notice him out there because you'll just kind of, he was kind of, he'd float on the wing or float in the corner. I think one of the games I remember the most was, Arizona was playing at Arizona state big rivalry game and Arizona had a big lead and it, uh, the, the sun devils just kept chipping away, chipping away. They eventually won. And Josh green went over eight that game and missed all five of his threes had three turnovers. And if I recall correctly, he actually did have the ball in his hands on the final possession and it didn't really work out very well. So that, that was definitely a low point. Um, but then it was also really interesting because we didn't get a chance to see him play in the NCAA tournament and he was playing really good basketball at the end of the season. Like if you look at his assist numbers, they were way up at the end of the year. I believe the, the last game of the season against Washington, he had 19, 20 points, made, made, made some threes. It was arguably his best game. And so it would have been really interesting to see him play in the NCAA tournament. And, and as we've kind of seen over the years, if you play well in the NCAA tournament, I mean, Josh Green, if he, if he, was playing like he did toward, like he was toward the end of the season and he carried that over into the tournament. I mean, he could have easily been a lottery pick. Um, so, and, and that, that's why it's kind of a bummer for Arizona fans that we didn't get to see him and Nico Mannion and, and Zeke Naji finish their careers. And that's why it's, when you ask me like their most memorable moments, it's, it's kind of difficult because in college basketball, it's so heavily focused on the tournament. The fact that they didn't get to play in it um, kind of, kind of hurts him. Yeah, that was absolutely brutal that they weren't able to do that, that they weren't able to play the tournament. And man, just the, just the way the season ended. And then all of a sudden, like their career was done, right? Like the, the guys that were going to go on to the NBA, like Josh Green, your college career is over and you move on. And all of a sudden you have this nine to 10 month draft, like pre-draft process ahead of you, which they didn't really expect. So it was absolutely a weird situation. Let's go to some of his best games. Like At his best games, what are some of the moments that stick out to you? 
Well, he uh, the Oregon game definitely that that one, and I, I, he had three passes that game that were just unreal. It was in transition. He was he'd catch the ball. Basically, his momentum was carrying him out of bounds. He'd twist his body, throw a pass in the corner. The guy would hit a three. Basically, the same situation. He was falling underneath the hoop on, on along the baseline and somehow got a pass in underneath the basket for a dunk. Um, that was just one of those games. It's like, man, like you can really see his NBA potential because when he's playing at a, in a faster paced game, which the NBA is, I mean, he's not just a good, a good scorer. He's not just a good finisher, but he's a guy that will make a lot of creative plays um, in transition and that will lead, that will create baskets for others. So um, there was that game. He had a really big game against Pepperdine, which was, kind of his like coming out moment. It was the, in a neutral site tournament. He had 24 points, hit, hit a, a four to five threes. Um, Arizona ended up winning that tournament. He played really well. And that was kind of really strange because he they he had a couple of rough games after that, which is kind of what we've been talking about with his inconsistency. Um, but yeah, like, and like I said, I wish I, we would have seen him play in the tournament because Arizona with him and Najee and, and Nico Mannion, I mean, that no one would have wanted to play them in March. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, that's a recipe for like if any of those three guys are hot. All of a sudden you're like, they could win a couple, like yeah, string a couple right. games together. Uh, any other closing thoughts about Josh Green? Is there anything that stick out, stuck out to you, a story or something that, you know, you saw from him this season that you think is going to stick out in the NBA? Hmm. I mean, I think, I think what I, I was a little bit shocked that he actually fell to what he did, which was the 18th or 19th pick with, with Dallas. I mean, I think if you looked at the mock drafts for much of the season, he was, a lot of them had him as high as eight or nine. And so my, my thought is I I'm actually really happy. Like I think it could be a good thing that he fell because if you look at the, the situation that he's in in Dallas, um, I think he'll have a chance to contribute right away, but he'll be in a spot where he'll have a, a very defined role. And I think he's a player that that's when he's at his best because he's not, he's not a guy if you tell him to go score basket, like he's not that kind of player. He's a guy that knows his role. He's a smart player. He does it well. He's not going to take shots that he shouldn't be taking. Um, and so I, I'm really happy that he landed in Dallas and we're, it's kind of the same thing with Nico Manny. I mean, he fell all the way to the second round, but he'll yeah. get a chance play for the Warriors. And so that that's kind of, I think one of the lessons that, that you can learn as a, as a draft hopeful is that it's not necessarily how high you get picked, but it's the, the fit really matters too. And so I, I'm really excited to see how, how Josh Green does in Dallas. Yeah, we are as well. And uh, yeah, we hope that he, he does great. Any, uh, any thoughts about Tyrell Terry or Tyler Bay, both, you know, come from the PAC 12 The Mavericks really just like rated the PAC 12 in the draft. Uh, any thoughts on those guys? Maybe you saw them a couple games here and there, but uh, any thoughts on those guys coming to Dallas? Yeah, I noticed that. That was <laughs> that was kind of interesting. Um, Tyrell Terry was really interesting because he was not a very highly recruited guy, and he was arguably the best point guard in the Pac-12. Is I remember when Arizona was going to going to play Stanford. I remember I was comparing his numbers to Nico Mannion, and he and Tyrell Terry's numbers were way better. He was a much more consistent shooter. Um, and, and that was, and frankly, I was a little surprised that like, if you would have told me that he would have been a one and done, like I, in an early second round pick, like, I don't think I would have believed you. I think, he, I don't think even the Stanford coach would have like, he probably thought he was a two, three year guy because Stanford doesn't have a ton of one and dones. Um, but he, I mean, his shooting should translate right away. Um, and then Tyler Bay is just a very, like, he's a very versatile defender. And that's like, and I remember I was, I was looking at the, the Mavericks stats and I saw they were number one on offense. And I think 
15 or something on defense and 18. Yeah. Close. 18, yeah. <laughs> and so you add, you add Bay and, and green. It's like, if those guys can just do enough offensively to not be liabilities out there, I think that, 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 that could be a huge boost to the Mavericks. Oh, absolutely. We're excited. I think Tyro Terry is the first one and done in Stanford history. I'm pretty sure that I read that somewhere, but they yeah, had a, Casey, Casey Opala, when he got drafted by the Heat, I'm not sure. I think he might have been. He might have been there for two years, though. That, that'd be a good trivia fact if that's true. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the first. So, and they'll have and they'll have Zaire Williams this year, and he'll definitely be a one and done. Oh yeah, uh, Ryan, you want to tell everybody where they can find you, where they can read your stuff, and if you're interested in Arizona sports, check out Ryan. Tell them where they can find you. Yeah, I'm the managing editor of the Arizona Wildcats SB Nation site, azdesertswarm.com. Definitely check us out. You like college basketball, college football, anything like that. There you go. Check that out. I'll put his Twitter account in the link in the description of this podcast. And guys, we'll be back next week. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Maps. Peace out. Boom. Good pass out. Green runs the floor and another tomahawk. When you have a team with the athletes that like to play up and down like Arizona does, you got to get back. You just got to get a man back. That was a